0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey everyone and welcome back to the same old Arsenal podcast. Good evening. Good evening to those in the chat room because I often forget to say that. Um, It's going to be a little bit different tonight. I'm going to be shortly handing over to Cookie below me and he's going to host the whole show. So what we're going to do is... Cookie's going to ask us all questions and we're going to discuss everything we need to discuss um, and then we'll be sort of answering your questions as we go along. So if you could stick to the same topic we're on, I'm going to put your questions and your comments up. Um, I think we know that someone that can't draw a lot of lines, it's going to be a, ho- a main discussion tonight. But um, yes, please press like, please, please subscribe, um, just a, a quick one as well. Uh, last Thursday night, I had a great show with Robbie. Thank you for everybody in the comments and for your comments. And the show has done really, really well. So thank you again. Right, my young mucker down below, over to you.
1: Cool. Thank you for the uh, the lovely intro, Mander. It's, it's a strange feeling, this. I've not been a podcast host in uh, some time. Chris is already telling me to take deep breaths. So I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> Anxiety is filling the room. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. It should be a good one tonight. Obviously, lots to discuss. Um, James, I'll come to you first, mate. Great to have you on, as always. Um, going into the game, as I was queuing up for this one, there were a lot of people talking about it, what they thought the result would be. And pretty much everyone I heard was saying, oh, smash them 3-0, 4-0, 3-1. I was like, hang on, this is a Brentford team that are going into this game... You know, I think they were nine unbeaten going into it, picked up some fantastic results, particularly against the big teams. I think you kind of get that unrealistic buzz as you're about to go through the turnstiles. And you know, I'm guilty of it myself. You're about to go into the Emirates, feelings good. But realistically, this is a really good Brentford team. Um, so my question to you is, although we're disappointed with the result, no getting around that fact, is this a result that we should necessarily be too downhearted about? Should it come as a surprise?
2: No, no, not at all. Um, I mean, we're we're lucky in the fact that the game's been. And if you watch on, I've watched, uh, I've obviously watched the highlights back. I've watched quite a few pieces today, and watching it again, you realise how fortunate we are. Um, As much as we're going to probably get into it later on about how undeserved their equaliser is, they score a perfectly good goal in the first half when Saliba. They claim it's a pull, but he slips, he slips and they score a perfectly good goal that should have stood. So we should have been one nil down then. And if you look as well, right from the beginning, you've got the Rico Henry chance. You've got the Ivan Tony. We, we should have been about three nil down at half time. And I think it's one of them in a couple of weeks, especially if we do what I hope we're going to do on Wednesday. You will look at this point and go, that's a good point at the end of the day to get that. And uh, that's, that's how I feel with it. Um, like you said, they're un, they're undefeated in nine. I, I heard people saying we're going to smash them. They were not going to play the same way that they played at home. There's, there's a template now that teams have seen from the Newcastle game against us and that Everton game against us, where they're like 10 behind the ball, go into the low block, go long because they can't deal with it. And I'll tell you what, Thomas Frank done his homework because Saliba yesterday won none of his aerials. And that's the first time all season. And that's probably the weakest part of his game is when you go and try and do an over-the-top lofted through ball and it's him that has to try. And I mean, he's very lucky that it was him because if it was Rob Holding that won no aerials against Ivan Tony yesterday, our fans would have him in Guantanamo Bay or The Hague now. So, uh, you know, it's, it's very much whoever's the name on the back of that shirt doesn't get the criticism on social media compared to the ones that have already got previous with some of our fans anyway but uh yeah for me i think it was a very very fortunate point in the end uh yes right to be hard done by by their equalizer because he's at least two or three yards offside however balances itself out because they had a perfectly fine goal chalked off in the first half
1: yeah, I think you've definitely got to give credit to Brentford. Um, although this is a game we absolutely wanted to win. I mean, you've got to respect the opposition and realise that, you know, you are coming up against a really good team, which is exactly what Brentford are. At the same time, Part of me really does believe you've got to win these games at home, especially when you're in a position that we're in and what we're fighting for. So I think that's what um, the frustration is with a lot of our supporters at the minute. Um, Amanda, I saw you shaking your head with a few of uh, JJ's comments there. I, I've got to say, I agree that we were very fortunate to not be a goal down at halftime. We had a lot of possession in that first half, but... Didn't do anything with it. They had the Rico Henry chance. They had the chance through Tony. I mean, two clear-cut chances that on another day they put in the back of the net. And we were so fortunate not to be at least a goal down. What did you make of the first half?
0: The only thing I disagree with James about is this, this comment. James, the ball wouldn't have been in the back of the net if the referee would have blown his whistle later. We would have gone for it. We all stood still and Ramsdale didn't even go for it. So it wasn't a... yeah actually was right in front of me and I thought oh he's just kicking the ball away. None of us went for it. So I don't think that's count. The other thing is we we could have been three nil down, absolutely. Oh, I'm not disagreeing with anything else James is saying. It's just that and exactly what Pete Geary is saying. The disallowed go in the first half whistle went before ball was in back of net. we all stood there. So that's that's the only thing I'm disagreeing with. However, um I did say thank you for your comment Pete I did say Um, As everyone knows, I did a podcast with Robbie Thursday. I said 1-0, and it's going to be tough. They are going to come and park the bus. These are my words. Robbie was like, I think, 3-1. And I didn't understand it. I didn't get, and I think Carl actually said 3-1 or 4-1. I I just thought, no way. Then It's exactly what um, James said. They've got the template against us now. The easiest game we're going to play, weirdly, is Wednesday because City will not come and park the bus. So if we are up to where we have been, we've got a fantastic chance of winning that game. Yet we will find it harder against a team that is fighting just for a point. James, the time-wasting is the same thing every game now. Players going down, the shithousery kicking the ball away. It's all to do with just trying to not lose against the Arsenal.
1: Yeah, um, really good point on the time-wasting. Chris, I'll get your thoughts on that as well, mate. But, um, I mean, that five minutes we had at the end of the game may as well not have been played because the, the amount of times the ball was out, Josh Da Silva trying to uh, cause a ruckus at every opportunity possible. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on, on that compared to, say, how it was uh, handled at the World Cup where we saw, you know, proper... Um, minutes being added on and taken into account. I mean, give us your thoughts on that, but also uh, how you felt, felt the first half went too. So on the um,
3: time-wasting, I did that classic football fan thing when you start seeing that in the second half. Like I was in the ground and I literally, <clears throat> for every, I only counted David Rea and how long he took on his goal kicks. I can't, literally, I, I, I watched my clock and counted four and a half minutes just for David Rare. So I'm not even talking. Ivan Tony going down feigning head injury, and then suddenly, when 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 everything stops, he gets up and jogs over towards uh, towards because it was I think it was, there was one point where he goes down. He says he thinks there's a head injury. Arsenal have got the ball, and then suddenly he jogs down. He jogs back so he can try and win a ball, and he's absolutely fine. So there, there should have been. 10, 11, 12. And it's really maddening because you just think you only have to do it for three or four weeks in a season. If they did this in August for the first three or four weeks, suddenly teams would be like, well, absolutely no point in doing it. And actually, um, I was chatting uh, before the Man United game to... um, Pete Wood at LaGrove, because he came along to the United game. So I was having a quick chat with him and he's working in uh, the US for an MLSB or whatever it is side. And he said that they've got this rule where if you go down with an injury, you've got to go off the field. And all of a sudden, you've got all of these players that are going down with an injury, but when it's not a proper injury, they're straight back up because they know you're off for a minute if you if it's a proper injury. So that's how you eradicate this stuff. And it's being trialled in some of these smaller leagues, but... Unfortunately, it goes back to the um, footballing authorities that are running our game. And I do feel like we should rename tonight's podcast the same old PGML podcast, because <laughs> let's be honest, it's the same old nonsense that we've got from them. Um, without going into too much of a monologue, in terms of the first half, um, we saw exactly what we were going to get from Brentford. In out of possession, they contract in. They they get three at the back. They have three just three three defenders just tucking in, making it very very difficult on the edge of their box. They can track their entire team in, and then when the ball's recycled or when they get a goal kick or whatever it is, they expand out and David Raya long ball tactics. I listen to the Besotted podcast because I've met and I've spoken to Billy uh, from Besotted a couple of times just um, from previous stuff, and they talk about how we're not a long well we're not a long ball team. No guys, you are. <laughs> You are a long ball team. You literally take balls from David Raya, and you hit Ivan Tony. And the reason why they do that—it's not nothing wrong with that—because he wins ninety percent of his challenges. And that was mm. a challenge that Saliba had the entire game. I get that Saliba didn't have his best game, but Ivan Tony spent the entire time with his hands around uh, w- William Saliba. So it's a really, really tough game. Um, it was always going to be a tough game. The challenge that we faced is that. Brentford and Newcastle and Everton are the three teams that are that kind of gritty, bit scabby type game where it's going to be route one. It's going to be direct. We shouldn't really face any teams that do it as well as them for the rest of the season. But that first half was exactly what I expected it to be. You know, gritty. The second half was a lot better. I'm sure we get to it.
1: Yeah, it's funny you mention that because I typically associate Brentford with playing really nice football. Whenever I watch them, particularly at home, you think tick attacker, nice stuff, creating really good opportunities. I mean, you got to say that chance they created for Ivan Toney that was good football. That was really nicely worked. But apart from that, I completely agree with you, Chris. It was just when it works. Tony dropping it down for another player like Mbwemo. I mean, such a good hold-up player the ball, and then you've got a tricky player like Mbwemo to then feed it back to Tony. I mean, we saw them try that move time and time again, but credit to them because it did work for them. James, for you, are you a little bit worried that this is going to become a recurring thing? I mean, Chris mentions that there won't be many other teams that are as capable of playing this way against us, but I'm just starting to feel a little bit like we're getting caught short on ideas were a little bit too predictable at times. Are you sharing those uh, feelings too?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I think that we've done, you know, well look at the table. We've done so well all year, but on top of what you've done, you also have to evolve slightly in what you're doing. And for me, there's just a tiny, tiny little bit of creativity missing. Um, And that yesterday I, I thought, you know, we took too long to, uh, to get su- the creative players on. And then when they did come on, obviously, it was so stuck in the ways that we just had too little too late to uh, do what we needed to do. I mean, v- Vieira's free kick at the end, I know he's got an awful lot of slack on social media for it, and it was terrible. But I'm like, if you're bringing him on this cold into something that's that intense, yes, okay, for the money that we've paid for him, he should be, you know, you should be coming on and doing something about it. But I don't think, you know, I got asked the other day, if there was one player at Arsenal you'd like to get more minutes, who would it be? And I said Fabio Vieira, because I'm like, he's having these little cameos and it's not enough time. I think if you give him 10, you know, if you give him 15, 20 minutes instead of 10 or 10 to 5 minutes, he might give you a bit more. Um, But yeah, no, there, there is, you know, I'm not absolutely petrified of what's going on. But you can't help but feel that there's a slight you know, problem and a slight issue developing. But my main one for me as well is is uh, we've gone from being so brilliant at defending set pieces to the last three goals that we've conceded all being from set pieces. So that, I think, needs to be addressed, especially because Man City with Mahrez, they're, they're, if they get corners on Wednesday, they're going to be looking at it going, you know, Rodri, all the big boys that they've got, they're going to think we'll have a chance at that. So that's something we really need to take a look into and prepare on, especially for Wednesday.
1: Absolutely. And we'll definitely get into the set pieces issue because it is it, frankly an issue um, when we talk about their goal, because uh, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, isn't there? So I'm saving that for the more meaty section of the podcast. Um, but Amanda, for you, we went into this game without any changes. There were a couple of people calling for maybe Trossard, Tommy Yasu, um, potentially even Fabio Vieira to start this game. But we stuck with the same team that uh, that lost to Everton, that I believe had the 0-0 with Newcastle. Familiar problems that we saw in those games. Would you have changed anything going into this game?
0: Yeah, I was calling for Tierney and Trossard. I was. I think we could use Martinelli off the bench. I think he needs a break. I think he's not playing as well as he, he has been because he is missing Jesus like we all are. So Tierney would have been ideal for this game and I really don't understand why Arteta didn't bring Tierney on for Zinchenko because for me, he was getting exposed. Um, and you know how much I love Zinchenko, but I don't understand that. Um I would have had Trossard on, yeah, and Tierney definitely to start. But I just didn't understand. You know, you know, I'm very much, you know, I'm always massively in favour of Arteta. But yes, I'm sitting there going, why is he not changing it when we needed it? Um, we knew it's going to be standard. The that anyone probably bottom up from the eight downwards, are going to come and park a bus. We needed someone on the overlap. We needed width because the, the midfield was so compact. And and you know what I will say as well? It is becoming boring watching these teams. Newcastle was boring. Watching Brentford was... and No one wants to come to play. And this is why Wednesday night, which I keep saying, they're not going to do that. If we're on form Wednesday night, we've got a massive chance of winning. I know we'll talk about that later, but I would have changed those two, yeah.
1: I'm fully with you on the Tierney one. That's the one that I keep racking my brains about. And if I was him I would be absolutely livid because we talk about wanting to change the system in a lot of games and he's someone that can genuinely do that for us because mm-hmm. he's very different as Inchenko he provides width. he's going to bomb on if he's just coming on for 10-15 minutes when we desperately need to get a goal and we've got to you know revert to type almost you know go go a bit route one if we just want someone to put the ball in the box, give us quality deliveries. And let's not forget, Tierney is genuinely still one of the best left backs in the league. He is a very, very good footballer. That should not be forgotten, despite the injuries he's had in recent years. And this is his first injury-free season at Arsenal so far. He's not picked up any sort of knocks whatsoever. Granted, he's not playing a lot of football, but he's some he's not bench fodder is basically what I'm trying to get at. He's too good to be sat on that bench. And when we're chasing games and we need to adapt to the opposition, he's someone that should definitely be coming off the pitch because um, for me, Chris, I feel like, although I love Zinchenko, in games like yesterday, in games like the one against Everton, all we're doing by keeping Zinchenko on the pitch is adding to what is already an exceedingly congested midfield and attack. And I feel like it's a bit of a hindrance at times. I don't know how you feel on that.
3: I think there's two ways to look at it. There is the Tierney does overlap more than Sinchenko and therefore could potentially stretch out wide, but teams don't actually have a problem with, and this is exactly what Brentford's like main aim was, we don't mind conceding possession out wide because from a risk and reward perspective, if you, if you let the opponent have the ball out wide, but you are that contracted centrally, if, if their plan is to overlap and whip balls in, if you've got bodies in there, then you can actually just deal with it. I think that's kind of playing the percentages. That's kind of how I see it from a, if I'm in Brentford's shoes, it's don't actually mind that much. I think one of the other things we need to bear in mind is that Arteta, the way that he's setting up team at the moment, he's not getting Tierney. The reason why Tierney isn't playing is because he's not getting him to do the same job that he was doing last year and the year before. Like, we've even seen when Tierney has played this season, he's trying to invert him more. So Tierney is obviously trying to adapt his game based on the system that we've now got. And Tierney, as an overlapping fullback, brilliant. Love it. Yes, give that a try. But Arteta's not telling him to do that. He's actually saying, don't do that. You know, I want you coming in field like Zinchenko. Is he's trying to replicate that. So for me, it's a really difficult one because he's we're not going to get the key under the instructions of the manager. We're not going to get the Kieran Tierney that we all think we're going to get. And that's why I don't think he's playing him. It's not, it's not that he's not capable. It's not that this is some sort of vendetta or that he's got any issue with, with Tierney. I just think that he's, if, if Tierney goes onto the pitch, he's not going to say to him, drive down the line, put, you know, get in behind and put balls in. Um, Maybe I could be wrong, but it's just, just the gut feel that I
1: feel on Tierney. That would be maybe my, I don't want to use the word criticism, but my one area of exploration for Arteta perhaps is that in these situations, bringing Tierney on to replicate the Zinchenko role, I wouldn't even consider it because I think we need Tierney to come on in games like yesterday and do what Tierney does. And that's what I mean when I talk about being adaptable and experimenting and just doing something different because the opposition have lined up in a way to deal with the way we've typically played. And that's why we're starting to see, like you say, Amanda, that boring type of football um, where we're just, you know, passing the ball into no man's land at times. And our final ball was pretty shocking, especially in that first half yesterday. Um, so that's why I would personally like to see Tini because he offers something different. I wouldn't want him to come on and do what Zinchenko does because it's not his strength. If anything, he could no. come on and do that and it could be more of a hindrance to us. So I want Tini to do what he does best. But like you say, Chris, I think Arteta is so set in this style of play and, you know, respects him. I respect him for doing that because it's yeah. got us to where we are now. But I think as the game moves on, you've got to adapt. Yeah, go on, mate.
3: Can I just, just one more thing on the trossard thing, So I didn't comment on the trossard, um, whether you play him first. I definitely agree. He's better in tight spaces and he's better with the ball at his feet than, than Martinelli. And I do think that we need to think about whether or not he plays instead of Martinelli. One caveat I would say, though, in the goal that we actually scored, I also think that if Martinelli's on the pitch, he also scores that because Saka gets the ball out wide on the right-hand side and puts it – it's the first time we got in behind Mm. and put a ball in. I still think Martinelli is attacking that space like Trossard did, that wasn't a goal that was scored where Trossard has got the ball at his feet and he's weaving that Martinelli doesn't do that maybe as much as Trossard does, not the same sort of style so I still think we score that goal if if that ball is put in and Martinelli is there, however I do acknowledge that we probably need to start having the que- the question as to whether or not Trossard is, is somebody we should think about for this, game, ne- this next game or to, to bring in and just kind of rotate a bit it's, it's a question to be had
1: Absolutely, it's certainly something we'll um we'll pick up on more later when we talk about the Trossard goal. But it's a great problem to have, by the way, whether you start Trossard or Martinelli, because they're two very good players, both with different skill sets. So that's a good problem to have ahead of Wednesday, I think. Um, James, for you, one player that I do want to talk about a little bit in particular is Eddie Nketiah, because it's it's two games without a goal now. No need to be raising alarm bells anytime soon, but I thought he was relatively phased out of the game yesterday. I mean, when you compare his performance to Ivan Tony's, um, I mean, it's chalk and cheese. And you, you could argue if we had Ivan Tony in the Arsenal team yesterday, we might go on to win that game. But um, I don't want to lay into him too much. But but what did you make of Eddie's performance?
2: Well, when you're playing a style of football that's you know just basically a donut of shame. That goes to creating chances where you're crossing at nauseam to a man that has two. You have Ben me who, okay, regardless of what you think of the guy, he's arguably been one of the best buys of the season for them this year. He's been fantastic for them. And then you've got IR next to him, who's like, you know, what, six foot six, a massive geezer. <laughs> Eddie's not going to win the ball in the air. You, you should have been playing some of them crosses along the floor. All of them primarily were coming in the air. You should have at least tried one along the floor, see if he could outpace them in between, stick his foot on and get in there. So it was just unfortunate for him yesterday. Um, you know, there were there was a lot of people that were saying, move Martinelli down the middle and then put Trossard out wide and take Eddie off. And obviously that didn't happen. And that's not an option that Arteta's even considered yet since this Jesus injuries come in. You know, um, it's it's the typical... Uh, It was the same for Arsene Wenger. What's his biggest strength? Trust. What's his biggest weakness? Trust. You know, he's put Mm -hmm. all that trust into this first 11. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. Look at where, like I said earlier, look at where we are. But you do need to evolve it. And Amanda, I'll go to when we were at South End the other day with Ray and Gilberto and Lauren. They all said in that invincible season, when they got to the January, they were absolutely ecstatic, weren't they, as players? But then they knew they needed something else and they got Reyes. And Parler was like, you know, Reyes helped us, especially that game at Portsmouth where I think he scored the equaliser when they were absolutely awful and then it still kept the run going. And that's what you need to do. You need to evolve slightly on how well you've been playing. And that's going to be the next step. That's uh, And OK, that could be players coming back, but there's still something a little bit more that we need to do. Because we're going to have more and more games like this. Because, again, like I said earlier, the template is there for how you get results against Arsenal.
1: Great point.
0: I think what um, you mean is, I think what he means when you said that, you mean freshen it up a little bit. That's, that's no, what we not, need. do. It's, it's not
2: even freshen it up. People cross
0: odds. So, Reyes, cross odds, you know. Yeah,
2: you've got that level that we're at now. But that level needs to go up just even a little, just a tad bit more. Because...
0: A happy price, price line. I'd like to go it, back to the level we had a couple of weeks ago. That's the level no, we need to get back.
2: No, no, we not no, had
0: You've got to strive
2: <laughs> to achieve more, Amanda. You can never be content.
0: I just would like to I'll go back more. to winning a game would be good. Just you know. let's, just, let's win a game.
1: <laughs> Come on, Amanda. Keep your wig on. Come on. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think it's just a case of being adaptable. Mm-hmm. Rob, I, I, you know, we, our levels have been fantastic this season. Um, whether we need to take it up a level or not, you know, up, up for debate, but for me, it's all about adapt, adapt adaptation um, because we, we've really failed to do that in the past couple of games. And that's what's been a slight area of concern for me. I mean, I watched um, the first half of the Chelsea game before the Arsenal game. And if you look at the goal they scored, where it's that beautiful Enzo Fernandes ball into Jao Felix, it was like, why can't we do that <laughs> at the minute? Because we've got Guard who can put those balls in, but where's the guy running onto it? We haven't got that because Eddie doesn't really make that run. The only player, I would argue who can do that for us would be Emil Smith-Rowe at the moment. And I I think Erdegar could do it as well, but it needs to be Jacker putting that ball in. And Amanda, I'll come to you on this one as well, because Jack is a player that we haven't spoken about in great detail in recent weeks. I don't want to say he's been off colour. That would be wrong, but he's not been as good as he was uh, possibly before the World Cup. And what I mean by that is he's not been making those darting forward runs that he was doing so well. Um, before the World Cup, and I think a large part of that is down to the absence of Gabriel Jesus that allowed him to get into those positions. But what's your um, what's your take on Jacobin?
0: I don't think I'd go as far back as the World Cup, but definitely I know I even thought about it yesterday. I thought he hasn't been playing well recently. Um, I do think some of them need a rest. If I'm honest, I know you're saying oh they're only playing once a week and stuff, but we're playing. Um, fast-paced football as well. There's a lot of pressure on him as well. Shaka, yeah, he's not hes not been terrible or anything, but he's not been great. I, I sort of agree with that. But Thomas party has been in and out. Of, I, I think the last... It's really hard because the last amazing game, and you're talking about you wish we scored goals like that, James. We do score goals like that. It's just not been the last few games. We do score goals like we saw at Chelsea yesterday. We were non-stop scoring goals. However, you know, it's been hard because he changed it against City. We didn't turn up for Everton. And everyone is forgetting that Brentford have beaten everyone. They've gone to the Etihad and won. We didn't lose yesterday. People are talking like we've lost. We've gained another point. Is it good enough? I mean, look, we didn't deserve anything else, if I'm honest. So, anyway.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's really good points. And, you know, you, you're quite right. We have scored some absolutely beautiful goals this season. So, as soon as we're back on track, I'm sure we'll be seeing them coming thick can and fast. Can,
3: can I just jump in on just one thing on the Enzo Fernandez thing? Totally get it. But one thing I would say is that West Ham at West Ham's ground are second. Uh, no, sorry. They're in the bottom sort of five or six, and they are conceding more big chances than someone like Brentford. So Brentford went away from home to Arsenal and sat deep in a low block with three players. So that kind of pass, does that happen with a Brentford back three? Maybe not. I mean, you could probably say, you know, it was an amazing, what what an assist, da, 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 whatever. But I just feel like it's a bit different. Brentford flying high on form, built very structurally sound versus West Ham, who seem to create
1: space and leave things open. No, you're quite right, mate. I. I, for one, can't wait to go to West Ham. Um, they'll probably play the exact same way Brentford did and we'll be having the same discussion. Yeah. But I think, you know, yeah. it always feels like at Brentford, at um, West Ham, sorry, there's a lot more space on the pitch. And definitely you would hope Jacker is the one making that pass in place of Enzo Fernandez, And it's, uh, fingers crossed by that point, maybe Gabby Jesus running onto it, who knows. Um, but I'll stay with you, mate. It's uh, It was a good start to the second half, I think. We came out and we showed a different level of intensity um, obviously, Trossard came on for Martinelli on the 60th minute and uh, got the goal not too long after. What did you make of the uh, the start of the second period?
3: I think if I'm talking about the whole of the second half in general, that's exactly how I would have loved us to play the entire 90 minutes. I felt, again, um, we didn't win the game. And I have basically a rule, which is I'm not watching a match today or I'm pretending football doesn't exist unless Arsenal win. Um, so, I have not watched many of the replays of the game other than the farcical Brentford goal, just because of the controversy about it. But the way that we played the second half is exactly how I'd have liked us to play the entire game. Because I think if we played the second half like we played the first half, maybe we get a goal. We certainly probably give up less chances. But we pressed down on the neck, I felt, of Brentford in that second half. And I don't really recall... Although admittedly, I was about four or five pints deep. So it's all a little bit hazy. Um, I don't feel like we had, we gave them that much. We didn't give them that much license to create chances. It was pretty much us. It was pretty much us creating chances. And when the goal went in for us, it felt like, yes, this was coming. You know, yes, we deserve this. I'm just looking at the, the stats. And I know you can take stats with a pinch of salt, but we had 70% possession. We basically did more than double the amount of passes that they did, 83% accuracy to compared to their 66, which you'd expect because they basically just go long consistency. We had 23 attempts at goal seven on target. They they only had two shots on target in the entire game. So we're talking Brentford create big chances, but they only had two on target in the entire match. And David Rea made six out of seven saves. So for, and I think most of those stats come in the second half because I think. I they we were dominant in the second half. And so for me, if I look at, if I'm trying to look at the positives, look at that second half, because that's where we saw Arsenal saying, no, nah, we're not having this. You guys come into our gaff, we're not having this. And we scored a brilliant goal. And then, of course, got shafted.
1: Yeah, I mean, just before we go on to talking about the Brentford guy, it is at least positive that we saw that reaction from the team because I was personally feeling in that first half like this could go really badly it was almost like watching a team that was physically sick because they just didn't look at the races at all um so to see us come out create a good few opportunities and see the arsenal of i was pretty pretty pleased to see that is before obviously we get onto their equalizer but james uh, we saw trossar come on who i've already mentioned and um got the goal obviously and i i think you're completely right in what you say, Chris. If Martinelli was still on the pitch, he would have gone on to score that goal most likely. But it's Trossard the one who's put it in the back of the net. He's got his Arsenal account up and running. I was really impressed with him, yet again, as I was when he came on at uh, against United, when he played against City. Gem of a player. And I like that he's 28 years old as part of a attack that is so young. Um, and the goal aside, I don't think we need to go into too much detail on that. But is he someone that... Should be starting on Wednesday
2: for me, if you look at how Gabriel Martinelli always plays against Manchester City, you have to start him. You have to start him i I can't remember him ever playing against man City and having a bad game he He always seems to rip them to pieces, yes, yeah, but so so he's he's got to be in there for me. I mean the one last year he nearly scores one of the best goals that we've seen in, in, in a very, very, very long time. But I think he cracked the bar, didn't he? So, yeah, for me, he's he's, he's got to play. He's got to play him on uh, on Wednesday. But this it's, it's, it's like we just said, it's the options. Having Trossard there, you know, I've still seen people moaning about the guy. He's a brilliant option to have. <laughs> brilliant option to have. He scores goals. He scores goals in big games, you know, against big teams. Why, why, why do you not want a player like that on your side? Especially with Smith-Rowe still you know, Willie won't he. Nelson's still got massive questions about him. Pepe's out on loan and there were still questions about him. So he's a player that we've needed. And now that he's scored one, hopefully he carries on still bags a couple. Yeah, yeah. Very, very happy with Trossard being in there. Got no problems with him whatsoever. And if he did start on Wednesday, no problem with that at all either. Be I wouldn't mind. The one that I would definitely swap, I'll I'll wait because you might go into that in a minute. So I'll I'll uh, I'll hold off.
1: No, no, go for it, mate. Go for it. I, I,
2: I, would play, I would play Tomiyasu over White. And I love Ben White. I think he's been brilliant this season. But for me, he looked absolutely cream-crackered again. And I don't know if it's an illness. I don't know if it's fatigue. I don't know if he's carrying something. But the last two games, after about the 60, 65th minute, he has looked like he is gasping for air. Like he is really winded type look on him. So I would, I would have him sit out and I would bring Tommy Asu in. And he got a lot of flack yesterday, Ben White, rightfully so. But that goal that we scored, it comes from his movement sucking in the other player to allow Saka to get in. So people, you know, they're so quick to point out what he did negatively, but his contribution in our goal is massive. Because that's one of the only times that we did a burst like that and managed to get through. The first one was the one where Sinchenko was beautiful first half, wasn't it? Where they thought he was going to do the pass sideways. And he just did a little, you know, like Eden Hazard used to do those little five yard little darts in. And uh, yeah, we nearly got him on that. So, yeah, no, I, I would uh, I'd drop White for Wednesday, though. I think he looks absolutely I... shattered.
0: Sorry, can I just jump in? Although I agree with James, absolutely I would. Yeah. Um... Barnaby Jones is a Manchester United fan who has stayed with us since Mark Goldbridge was on the show. And this is what I want to put into perspective. They got beat 4-0 by Brentford at home. Away. So,
3: no
0: way. Away, Brentford. Sorry, but they, they got beat <laughs> 4-0 by Brentford. We didn't lose yesterday and we weren't the best. So I just want to try and put a little bit of a more positive spin on it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I think it's quite easy to feel a bit downbeat at the minute because of you know the City result, the United result today, and it's been two games. It's the first time this season that we've not got a win in at least two games. So it's two rather negative results. I mean, the Everton one, I was happy to put that in a box under my bed and never open that again. Yesterday's result, in hindsight, you know, I it is a good Brentford team, and you're not going to win every single game. But I do hope that uh, for me, we've got to beat City. Now, and I'm I'm still confident that we will. Um, but James, I want to stay with your point, mate. And I'll come to Amanda on it because I think it's a very good one that Ben White, he's a not, not a player that I had on my agenda tonight. I didn't really f- think about talking about him, but you've, uh, you've got my old, you've got my head thinking about it, James, because he wasn't dreadful, but he's definitely not impacting the game in the way that he previously was. And I do also think that's having a knock-on effect on Bakayo Saka. And Tomiyasu is... In my opinion, a risk-free change you can make because he's still absolutely top draws. So, for you, Amanda, would uh, would you be making that change going into the city game?
0: Yeah, and I might even consider because Saliba's not been playing well, putting Ben White in the back four there. Um, I, I think we do need a little bit of a change, and I think Tommy Asu's. I think we need Tommy Asu actually, and I don't know why Ben White's a bit lethargic. He hasn't played well for a while. I don't know what anyone else thinks, but I don't think he's played that great.
1: Um, I, I definitely think. Sorry, not kind of, like months oh, and months. Or
0: I mean, no, no, I mean about three or four games. That's all I mean. Okay, not not for months on end. He's been superb, but I don't know what's happened the last three games. That's what I'm saying. So you
1: could, I think you could say that about a lot of people, Amanda. Um, and I do think it could be a case of fatigue. I mean, he he's got to be one of the guys that's played almost every single minute of every single game. And uh, like I say, where we've got a player in Tomiyasu, who whenever he's played for us, apart from a few very shaky moments that have been very rare, he's been fantastic. And um, what are your yeah. thoughts on that, Chris? Is he someone that you'd like to see start the game? Uh,
3: Tomiyasu, I would... Yeah, I would... I think... The thing is, we're all forgetting, is Tommy is actually... Last season was immense... The only problem with Tomiyasu last season was he spent half of it injured. Yeah, but he's not injured at the moment. And Ben White has been amazing. The challenge, I guess, the challenge that we've got is that the way that we're playing with top with Ben White is that he's he's become very adept at overlapping on Saka, and and that's where we've got our joy. Tomiassu doesn't overlap as much, so I wonder if that's the reason the difference between the two. I thought the um, comment you made around. Ben White playing instead of Saliba was interesting. And obviously we kind of uh, semi-rounded on you. I mean, we don't round on each other because we're all friends here, but Mm -hmm. um, there was a couple of disagreed sort of shakes of the head. What I think is interesting is that I don't know what's happening um, with Erling Haaland because he went off at half-time in the game today. So Saliba, in in that game at the Etihad, when he when he played when he came on, Saliba actually had Haaland's number. So that's why in the game on Wednesday, I'd almost be tempted to say, no, 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 give Saliba a go against Haaland, give Saliba and Gabriel a go. But we don't really know whether or not he's going to play or not, because Julian Alvarez, if it was is the option is the other option, is a very different player. Um, I don't know if he's quicker than Haaland. He might be quicker than Haaland. I don't, I don't really know enough about City, but one of the things that's great about Ben White is that he's good in a foot race, but so is Saliba. So that's a really, really tough one. Um, making changes, maybe yes, think about Tommy Asu, but I wouldn't be changing Saliba. I wouldn't be changing Gabriel, and I 100% wouldn't be changing uh, Zinchenko on Wednesday night. But
0: Chris, if you Rob had, sorry, if you had um if you had uh, Benoit on the bench though, and Saliba was struggling, you could bring him on for him.
3: Exactly, exactly. If he was struggling. When you say struggling, do you mean as in for fitness or just as in like not in form?
0: Well, both really. I don't, I don't think he's looked right the last two or three games. And I know what you're saying, um, Cooks, about not many of the others have. I would sort of disagree. I, I, I just think you've got two players doubled up. Uh, you've got Martinelli and Saka have been doubled up on. So they look like they're not doing much. Maybe it's Shaka. But Odegaard's just been as good. It's just it's just been weird, hasn't it? It's just been strange. And I think, and it is it, weird to say it, but they will not park that bus on Wednesday night. They will give us space. They will come to win it. They want to go top. They go top if they beat us on goal difference. So we need to be how we were three weeks. We need to play how we did against United. Uh, but we need to talk about VAR cooks we yeah i was gonna a... say
3: we've managed to do like 40
0: minutes, <laughs> a minutes. yeah i know The single
3: most disgraceful <laughs> He's decision saving and, it. I th- and i think we should all get a little bit of props from anyone listening and stuff like that because let's be honest we're all pretty raging
1: about that are we cooks i'll oh. draw the
0: lines for you if you want
1: oh absolutely i mean i, I was saving this i mean Maybe I should have brought it in earlier because I feel like we could be stuck on this for a little while. <laughs> um, I'll get my little rant out of the way first so that you guys can go into it and I'll just have a little snooze whilst you uh, you do that. But <laughs> my God, when that goal went in, I was like, oh my God, that defending is like something out of clown school. You know, when when you, you're you in the stadium, you, you just assume that they've got it right. Um, I'm on the train home, open up Twitter, give it a little look back and I'm still not entirely sure, but it's when I watch match of the day in the evening and they highlight that Norgard is the one that is clearly offside, who's the one that passes, well, heads the ball directly to Ivan Tony, which results in the goal. It's blatant. You know, VAR is up for a lot of debate with regards to, you know, subjective things, fouls, whatever, but offside is a non-negotiable. You know, if it's offside, it's offside. You know, you could talk about those tiny fraction of a knee's hair but this wasn't that this is a clear offside and the fact that we've been told that lee mason has forgotten to draw the lines is just just disgraceful like if i do that in my job if any of us do that in our professions we we're not in a job we're told not to come in for the next two weeks because you know you you've done something absolutely detrimental and this isn't the first time he's done it we already know again another non-negotiable another non-debatable one the goal we scored against United at Old Trafford should have stood. That that should have happened. We've already been told that. It's happened again with Lee Mason, it, with Arsenal, and this is just with Arsenal. How many other games and how many other clubs have suffered because of his inept officiating? He should not be in a job. And if he isn't relieved of his duties by the Refereeing Association, then he should 110% be handing in his resignation I would say at the end of the season, but for me, I'm so enraged by this. He should be handing it in now because he is not fit to do his job. And although he's been shocking, what are all those other people doing in the VAR room that are meant to assist him? Why is no one pointing out, you know, shouldn't we just be taking a look at this little moment before the goal goes in? Uh, And, you know, I I get that there's millions of people watching the game around the world. There's a stadium full of 60,000 people wanting to know what's going on, but I would rather suffer not knowing what's going on for another three, four, five minutes for them to get that decision right, than for them to rush and panic to do what they've done yesterday and just, just be completely inept. So, James, that's my bit done. How are you <laughs> feeling about it?
2: Well, yeah, it's an absolute joke. It's an absolute farce. Um, you know, I, I agree with everything you've said just there. However, and I, I can't take full credit for this, but please stay with me. Stay with me because it's a bit it's a bit of a long one. It's long winded, but stay with me. Right. Michael Harris, great guy, runs the Arsenal Above All podcast. If you you know, if you're looking for another one to watch, click over there. It's a brilliant show. It's also part of purely Arsenal that I'm on. Great guy. Now, is is any is all of us here fans of Star Wars? Yes. Yes or no? Yes, you are. Absolutely. Okay. Have any of you got any Star Wars toys or memorabilia?
3: Uh, I've been playing with my Star Wars Lego X-Wing this afternoon. Okay,
2: right. The Lego I'm not sure about. But the the other stuff that's made by Hasbro, Hasbro's UK and Europe headquarters. If you look on the bottom of any of your Star Wars figurines, says made in Stockley Park. That is VAR. It's a toy shop. It's a toy (laughs) shop for inept people to just do what they like when they like. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. You've got Brighton fighting for Europe that have been absolutely wronged just before, you know, same time as we are. It's it, it's it's bad enough when it happens to your club, but when it's happening all the way over, this is you, you know. And Lee Mason's another one. Wenger used to call him out. Wenger said years ago about how this guy cheated him out of points. It's 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 an absolute it's an absolute joke to forget to forget to draw the lines. I mean, they said they rang up and apologise. I wouldn't have answered the phone. Uh, if they had the, you know, the caller ID and it said PGM, I'd be like, I'd, if I was McKell or whoever, Edu, whoever had the phone, to, I'm not answering. Let, they can leave a message. Don't want to talk to him.
1: Don't want to talk yeah. to him. I mean, that was almost in borderline insulting this morning yeah. to say that Howard Webb's called up to apologise. Oh, great, yeah. thanks. What's that going to do? And by, in no way does this excuse the Arsenal performance. And we're not saying that this would have meant that we'd have gone on to win the game, but it's these minute margins where a title is won or lost because we could have gone on to, to to win this game 1-0, just about. We could have seen it out. We could be sitting here talking about how you've got to win these games to win a title, how it's gritty. You know, we showed spirit to bounce back from the Everton game. We could have gone on to lose this game 2-1. It's all, you know, we we're talking hypotheticals, but at that stage in the game, it's a massive, massive, massive decision. How are you feeling, Amanda?
0: Well... Just something I wanted to pick up. What you said, you said you wanted them to spend three, four, five minutes to get it right. They did spend three, four, five minutes, and they got it completely wrong. Well, We're I'm in, in the I'm stadium. In, in addition,
1: in addition to oh, the time, well, I ten
0: minutes. I'm not being funny, right? Match of the day sorted it out, and I'm no fan of Gary Lineker. Sorted it out in thirty seconds. He makes great. When he, eh, huh? he makes great. Credit. He showed you the foul on Gabrielle, which no one's really spoken about, and then leads to the offside goal because. Nordgaard, what's his name, Nordgaard, is offside, right? Mm. So they can see it in, in under 30 seconds. It is, I, I've never said it's a conspiracy, but I'm starting to think what is going on here with this Lee Mason. You know, do not ring me up and apologise. Do not do that because you're making it worse. I'd rather have not heard from you today, to be honest. It is an embarrassment. So what they've rung up Mikel Arteta Edu, and said, we were wrong. Well, you know what then? As I famously said in 19, whenever it was, give us our two, pa- two points back then because we, we may have seen that out, as you said. I will say something, and I've said it since day one. I don't want VAR, and I don't care when people say to me, it's not VAR, it's the people behind it. The people behind it are ruining VAR. VAR should be there for factual stuff, nothing else. I don't want VAR on penalties because we could all sit here and the four of us could disagree on a penalty. You may say it is. I may say it's not. And then we've got these idiots at Stockley Park sitting in their caravan, not doing their job properly. I'm sorry. I've never played football before. I don't process to be any good at it, and I'm not. I've watched it for nearly 50 years of my life, and I could go to Stockley Park, and I could have easily made not only our game. Have you seen the West Ham-Chelsea handball? I, I would be I, If I was Chelsea, I'd have walked off the pitch, because that I couldn't believe they didn't get that. Brighton, I, I, honestly, it's, it's it's been an embarrassment. So now they know that they've messed up on three games, the league, Europe, and possibly Chelsea trying to get into fourth as well. Yeah. I, I just feel like someone, need, Lee Mason needs to be sacked, and I'd never want anyone sacked from their job ever because it's we're in a time of crisis in this country. But you know what? If I did this in my job and I messed up a property deal, I'd be out. He has done it too many times. You give people a chance, I get that. He's done it twice to us this season. And yes, it could cost us... Who knows at United if we'd have got that goal? Who knows if we would have not lost the way we did or got a draw? draw. We don't know that. But you do not, do not wipe these goals off. And I'm sorry, I keep saying this. When Eddie scored against United... I didn't even celebrate and how much has that ruined football because I didn't know if it was going to be given. We're in the ground, aren't we? We can't see anything. They don't show us replays for fear of God knows what. And then I'm looking on my phone on Twitter or my dad saying, well, what's happening? You know, what what are they saying on the TV? Um, And it's frustrating. It's ruining football and all football fans are saying this, not just us today. They're all saying, look at... How could they give Rashford's goal? I mean, you could spend a whole hour talking about Rashford's goal the other day in the Derby. But anyway, so I'm just saying did, I've never wanted see, it anyway. See Rashford's goal today? No, I haven't seen it yet. I didn't okay. watch it. He,
2: he scores a perfectly the run that he makes in the header is superb. But for yeah. whatever reason, they made him wait three and a half minutes because they were – and I'm like, you've only done that because yesterday you cocked up. The only reason yeah. you're looking oh, at yeah. today – is to make it look like, oh, look, no, we are doing our job properly. That's what makes me laugh. That Stuff like that shouldn't have even gone to VAR. It was a perfectly, perfectly good goal. It's a brilliant bit of movement and a header. I'm like, if you have to look at that, whether he's offside or not, then you're even worse than what we're saying now. For me, they've got to get, they've got to get people in there that they don't know because it's like an old boys club. It's like, oh, wait a minute, if I give that against him, he's got my game next week and he'll stitch me up. They shouldn't know who they are. They should be completely separate. So just be a completely separate entity that just do video refereeing. The physical and the video should not know who they are, where they're sat, what they're doing. And then you don't get this, you know, bias of what he might, stitch me up in a game that I'm doing the week after. Or, oh, I remember two weeks ago, he made me look silly, went on the pitch, I said it was this and it was that. They shouldn't know. And it was like you said as well, when they would ruin, because I was watching the game from home, when they're reviewing it, they're going for the shirt pull on Gabriel I'm sat here going, no, you shit house. It's him behind it. Why are you looking at him? It's him. I was like, why are you watching that? It's that behind you. And they've got more angles and more replays than any of us will ever have in our life.
0: James, you know, what were they doing? It was—I thought it was going to be disallowed because when it went that long right. in the stadium, when you're standing in the stadium, I'm going, "Oh, it could be actually be disallowed." Because if it's the first ten seconds, you know whether it's onside or not. I'm sorry, you just do. Amanda, if it's onside. Stevie Wonder could me that's offside. Uh, but but my point is, what are they looking at? And and the fact they drew the wrong lines—was it against Crystal Palace or Brighton? Yeah, or wherever it was—they drew the wrong player. I, I'm sorry are these people supposed to be professionals? Can I,
1: can I Sorry, mate, I I think just the worrying thing is that it's, this is the highest level of professional football, right? It's not going to get higher than this. And we've got these clowns that are running, you know, officiating, calling the shots. You know, this is elite football and they are by no means elite at their jobs. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it would be wrong to not just assume this is just an Arsenal problem because we felt earlier in the season that there's a, a slight agenda against us. And I'm sure we'll probably continue to feel that way as the season goes on. But like you mentioned, Amanda, the Chelsea one, as much as I want to laugh at that, it's ridiculous. The oh, my God. One is ridiculous. I mean, Chris, can't can't carry on like this, can it?
0: Can I so just th- tell you something? Sorry, Chris, one second. Did you notice on Match of the Day, Ivan Tony looked at the uh, linesman straight away? Straight away. So he looked at the linesman because he thought maybe the pass was offside. Sorry, go on, carry on. So, so I think there's, a, there's quite a,
3: a lot to unpack here. So please, apologies if I go into a little bit of a, a monologue here. I think, firstly, there's an opportunity, I think, for Howard Webb and the M O L to make a statement. New regime. We're clearing the decks. It's time that we get a bit of credibility back. Mike Riley was a disgraceful head of the PGML. This is the guy we all know. The 49th game at Old Trafford, we've seen it with our old eye, our own eyes. This is a guy that oversize, oversaw an old boys network, as James said, of referees. I mean, if you look at the distribution, it's been if you're on Twitter, if anyone in the um, in the chat is on Twitter, you're all mostly on Twitter. You see, you've seen that graph, that that picture of the UK. And the distribution of where the referees come from in the Northwest. Mike Riley and his collective of old boys from the Northwest. Now, I'm not suggesting that there is a conspiracy of favouring Northwest. And that's why I don't believe that. But I think when you want to keep your mates in good jobs, then that's what happens. And that's what's happened. Not This isn't like a, a, a recent thing. This has happened over probably 20 years of ineptitude. Stemming from the top. And so Howard Webb, interestingly enough, I think he's from the Northwest as well. But Howard Webb has an opportunity, a PR opportunity almost here, to say, right, time for me to make some statements. And this is what I'm looking for right now. And if I was in Howard's Webb shoes right now, really tough job. The first thing I'd be doing is saying, right, here's what I'm going to do. Step number one, I'm going to say, time that time that we have a fall guy. Lee Mason, you're my fall guy terribly sorry mate but I've got a couple of uh, examples here and so you will be dismissed and as Ryan uh sorry Mr Arsenal podcast says in the uh it's just said in the in the chat there's rumors about Lee Mason being sacked if I was Howard Webb this morning it's the first thing I'd be doing if you're going to phone up um Arteta and Arsenal and Brighton and say terribly sorry this is what you do in work. So, James, we were joking. So, James, um, full disclosure, James and I work together. I right? get James to do some of my video stuff. Foster Studios is absolutely brilliant. Sorry, a little bit of cheeky plug for you there, mate. But <laughs> if James messaged me and says, yeah, sorry, Chris, um, here's the raw here's the raw file of the video footage that we did. I just kind of didn't bother doing any editing. I go okay James that's fine Um, I'll pay your invoice but uh, I'm not actually going to bother working with you ever again and James loses out because that's his livelihood that's his job he's a professional he's good what he does this is what should be happening now Um, there should be accountability and Howard Webb should be saying here's my fall guy this is in any work what people want to see is they want to see you've made a mistake but how are you going to learn from this and so Howard Webb should be saying this is how we're going to learn from it step number one I'm removing Lee Mason, whether that's he just becomes a consultant, but he has nothing to do with any of our VAR or whatever it is. I don't care. He's got no impact on Premier League matches. And that's what I'm doing. Sorry, Lee, you're a good guy. Pat on the shoulder, but we can't have this. You've got to be the full guy. That's step number two. And what that does is really good from a PR perspective, because he gets to say, look what I'm doing. This isn't Mike Riley's old boys network now. This is when we're making moves. There's a couple of other bits in there as well. I'll just quickly touch on Um, three minutes waiting for the uh, decision to be made. I already mentioned there was four and a half minutes of David Raya time wasting. So right there, we've got seven and a half minutes. Yeah. Five minutes injury time, you know, just a question there. Um, Accountability I've talked about. And um, I just think that we've got, we've come to a crisis point now. And I think I do believe that the PGML will need to essentially now say, right, we've got to actually do stuff. I'm looking forward, just as a final piece, I'm looking forward to uh, tomorrow's Dermot Gallagher Sky Sports Ref Watch when he says, well, I can see why Lee Mason has uh, decided not to call this offside because, you know, they have really nice biscuits at Stockley Park and, you know, he might have actually have been focusing on that.
1: It's crazy to think that uh, he is actually getting paid to have an opinion, Peter Walton. It's, uh, I mean... Guys, Sorry, Dermot Gallagher. Uh, Dermot Gallagher. Dermot Gallagher. Right. Gallagher. Not Peter Walter. I mean, they're both as bad as each other, aren't they? But, um, you know, if you've ever got any aspirations in life, just look at those guys because you can do it. You can make it. Um, <laughs> I don't want to stay on the VAR too long. By the way, thank you for the plug, Chris. Didn't have to do that. Very much appreciated, mate. <laughs> but uh we, you, we won't, won't stay on this too long because we could talk about this for the next two, three, four hours, Um, which is maybe how long they should have spent on the VAR call. But... Let's talk about the game that's coming up on Wednesday night. James, obviously, it's it's probably our biggest game. You know, feels like the biggest game since that 2014 FA Cup final, to be honest with you. Um, everything on it, maybe? How are you yes. feeling?
2: Yeah, I, I said, you know, all year when we win this league, because we are going to win this league, it's coming down to these two games against Manchester City that are going to decide the title. And it's very, you know, I feel very, very reminiscent of Tom Hardy in the film legend when he goes into the pub, you know, and he wants the shootout. This is this is me. I want a shootout. I want a proper game on Wednesday. And I can't wait because we're going to win two one. Do you remember in Wembley, Amanda? FA Cup semi-final. You and your dad, oh James, you've been sniffing or he you know, sucking on them <laughs> balloons or whatever you do. You're mad <laughs> thinking we're going to win two one. I said we're going to win two one. Alexi Sanchez is going to score. And what happened? We won 2-1. OK, we haven't got Alexis Gancher to score this time. Uh, but no, I I, I think we're going to do it. I think we're going to do it. We're going to win 2-1. Can't wait.
1: Oh, what, wait. what a game that was, that uh, semi-final. I remember being there as well. Oh, Monreal was that, offside, but
2: yeah, it doesn't matter. Nah, it was it, a great it, game.
1: This was before VAR's time, you know. Um, hopefully they'd have given it to us anyway, based on yesterday's performances. But uh, yeah, what a game. Um, if it could be anything like that. I mean, I remember City were flying seriously high at that time and we were kind of, you know, so in and out of sorts, but... I would take that result all day long. I mean, Amanda, you seem to be pretty confident going into uh, into the game tomorrow. You think we'll have a lot of space, I agree. I think they should come to Arsenal looking to get the win. I, I do think it'll be an interesting game and an interesting dynamic because both teams will obviously want to win this game, but neither team will want to lose it. So, you know, if, if there's no goals by half-time, it could turn into a really interesting affair, but I do think there will be goals. I think there's too much riding on this for there not to be. How are you feeling going into it?
0: Well, I I wish we'd have played them a couple of weeks ago. I'd have been much more confident. The fact that, you know, our form, the fact that they weren't that great, the problem we've got now is all the accusations hurled at them has made them, you know, what's that word like, all come together, you know, us against the world. And I think they think they're fighting everybody because they think they're innocent. Whatever it is, we won't know until it's all um, gone through the courts. So it's become like a siege mentality for them. You could see it today. They started playing much better today than I've seen them playing weeks. And this is where, if this was two weeks ago, honestly, I would have been much more confident However, um, I think that Arteta will probably not change it. Knowing Arteta, he probably won't. Um, I honestly think if we are not on our A game, and I mean every single player, and we haven't spoken about Ramsdale for that goal either, which he could, I think he could have done better. Um, I, I I don't want to predict, James, because I keep predicting positive and it's not working out. So, as long as we don't lose and as long as we turn up, there's definitely, definitely 1 million percent going to be goals. Um, I do feel positive, but I don't want to say it, if you, if you know what I mean. I just wish it was a couple of weeks back. It is where, it is where we are. They've had a day later. They've got to come down to London. We, we stopped playing yesterday. I don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if Harland has gone off with a thigh injury and it's going to affect. We don't know. But all I know is... If we're on our A game, they're not going to double up on Saka. They're not going to double up on Martinelli. They're going to go for us. We need to start. If only we had a fit Jesus, I would have been even more confident. We haven't. We've got to get on with what we've got to get on. I would like to point out two things that I felt yesterday. The crowd were completely flat. And where the hell were all these seats that people are desperate, desperate, desperate to go? And they can't get them on ticket exchange. I don't know what's going. So on Wednesday night, we need every seat filled. We need to rock it like we did against United. We've got to stop that frigging drum that is ruining the atmosphere. I do not like the drum. I, I was Hate just waiting drum. for you to mention that. Hate the, Hate the drum. Hate the drum. Hate the drum. Because I'll tell you what it's Robert doing. A drum than
2: Louis Dunford. I'll tell you that much.
0: Oh, no. I love that song. Um, it's ruining it. There's no atmosphere. It, well, it's just this beat of a drum it's not even a tune I love the Ashburton army everybody knows that I think what they're doing is fantastic but they're ruining the atmosphere I I just think this drum is driving us all mad and we want to we want to sing we've got to be up in our seats like we have been um it was just flat I don't know what you two felt about it yesterday but I thought it was flat yesterday
1: I thought it was um fairly subdued but I think that was mainly down to the drum (laughs) <laughs> yeah, mainly the drum. But I also think you got to be realistic that there are some nerves floating about at the minute. I mean, I know the yeah. guys that were sat next to me. They, they, you know, th- this guy next who sits to my left was rocking back and forth with literally with nerves. You know, just, my seat was gyrating the whole game. Um, that sounds a bit weird, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, I, I, there is a lot of apprehension because there is so much on the. We've not been this close to something like this in you know, well over a decade. Um, I mean, arguably, you know, 2015-16, we came close then, but it's never been quite like this. We've never seen a team quite this good. And we're all just feeling that little bit anxious, I think. And that's probably why there was that subdued atmosphere. I do think after the goal we scored, it was electric for about five minutes until they got the equaliser. But just reverting back to this game... Equaliser... Yeah, equaliser in inverted commas. Um, just going back to the city game because I know you know we're, we're over an hour now. Just conscious of time. I looked at the city team that played Villa today, and you know you've got Walker, Diaz, Laporte, Rodri, Silva, De Bruyne, Mares, Gundogan, Grealish, Haaland. That for me is. City team but that's a serious City team and the team that he's played against the likes of Spurs where he's had Rico Lewis playing as an inverted left back and um, you know he's tinkered with it, he's left De Bruyne out, he's left Bernardo Silva out I've just looked at those City teams and thought that's not quite, that's not City looked at that team today I was like yeah that's that's a serious team, I expect that same 11 to play us with all their top boys in there, that's that that's their title winning team, That's if they're going to mount a challenge, um, that's the team that will do it for them and uh, it's going to be massive on Wednesday. How are you feeling going into it, Chris? Um, nervous. Uh, nervous because, let's
3: be honest, we have a horrendous record against Man City. And I just, every time there's a, ever a horrendous record or we have a fabulous record, when we have a fa- fabulous rec- record against a team, we always seem to beat them. And you think, oh, we've got a good record against them. Lady Luck or the footballing gods seem to screw us over. It doesn't seem to happen the other way. So I'm not expecting anything from uh, football karma whatsoever. Would I take a draw? I might do because I feel like City probably feel they have to win and maybe that can play to our advantage. I mean, one of the things that we need to obviously think about with City and I was watching parts of the game this evening and I heard it in commentary is, as you'd expect, they're very, very good with the ball, but they are not imperious without the ball. And this is going to be a game in which... We are going to, we are a team that is going to re- demand that we have more of the ball. And so that's what I'm looking for from Arsenal. Have more of the ball, be better when we are out of possession, but be better when we are in possession and see if we can hurt them. Um, Amanda, you made an interesting point about City thinking, well, it's us against the world. You know, they're all against us. Well, what team has just been absolutely shafted out of three points this weekend and will be saying, screw this? we've got the, the PGM we've got the referees against us. So let's band together, let's unite, let's be a fan base and a collective. I think Granite Jacker has said something today at some stage on his social medias that we need us all together. We need to bring the fire, the fury, the full might of this stadium and it's an evening game it's going to be rocking on wednesday we are going to feel like we have been wronged because we have been wronged and i want rage like i'm actually going to clock off work at half four hopefully nobody from my uh office listens to this podcast if they do they'll be asking some questions as to why their marketing director is clocking off early to go and get beers and uh, watch football but i'm going to be clocking off early to get in the pub and having some chats with my mates and by the time it's kickoff, I am going to be I'm going to be hoarse by the end of the evening because every single contested challenge I'm going to shout I'm going to scream I'm going to tell the referee what I think of him I don't even care if it's 50-50 I, I'm going to I'm going to, I'm going for it I'm going for blood because I feel wronged and that's what every fan in the stadium should feel like you know Villa Villa, for me, is an interesting one. So we play them the following week. That's going to be an interesting challenge, but we can we can,
1: later, park, that. Later. We can park that to one side.
3: So um, uh, just on a final point, on the drums, uh, you don't hear the drums from where I am because you're just oh. singing half the time. So maybe if the rest of the stadium just steps up and sings, then you won't. we don't need to worry about the drums because we all need to get together. We need to be 100% on it. We need to make it a cauldron. Against City yeah. on Wednesday, make it a cauldron. Make them realise this team is a proper serious team. This is not like this is not the Arsenal team that we've beaten eleven times out of the last twelve or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, I tell you what, if um, we score early on the that plate, that the roof will oh. come off that place. It will be absolutely <laughs> scintillating. I think the as long as VAR don't
0: scrub don't it don't off that that don't,
1: don't don't ruin it for me. Um, let me dream. I I think. I mean, I know it's going to be outstanding as soon as I walk through the stadium, but um, if we do get a goal within the first 10 minutes, I mean... Like Liverpool. I mean, oh, oh, God. God. Mate, I'm already having trembles thinking about that possibly happening. And you know, the one the one positive I will say going into this game is I do kind of think it plays into our favour that we're not going into this game having won the past five, six, seven. I quite like the fact that we're going into this. Well, like is not the right word. Obviously, I want us to win 38 out of 38, but that's not going to happen, is it? So the fact that we're going into this on a very slight bump in the road, this is the perfect game for us. It's exactly what they said on match of the day that we couldn't have a perfect tonic. Um you know, I, I really think it's important to have perspective going into this game because a win would be, you know, I'll, I'll probably pass out if we win this game. Um, So, fingers crossed that does happen. But draw would be, you know, a good result for us. It's not what I want. I really want the win. And, you know, even if we lose this game, um, I don't want to go there. But it's important to look at how we do lose if that is to happen. Um, I don't want to go on a whole massive spiel about, how you know, potentially losing the game. But even if we were no. to lose... They go level with us, they go top of the league, but we've still got that game in hand. So, I don't want to hear this talk of if the result doesn't go away, it's over, it's done, it's finished because there is so much left to play for and we're in such a yeah. good position. But we need can to I, keep the game. Can I just, of course, can I can
3: say make. one thing? Go. Can I just say one thing? Um, if we win, you better not pass out because we're working oh, no, the next stadium. Radio, mate. And sleep. if you go Lee Mason on me and forget to do your job, then we've got a problem. No,
0: we've got right. out.
1: I couldn't be more prepared for that. I've got uh, I've got everything sorted. We're not going to go there. The listeners don't want to hear about our, our work-related stuff, Chris. As exciting as it is. Um, <laughs> but I think that that's my part of the show done, isn't it, Amanda? We've got some questions?
0: It- yeah, no, it is. Well done, you. Well done, James. Fantastic show. We have, we have run over, but it doesn't matter. But I did want to just mention one other thing, or two other things actually. Um, the stadium raps um, are absolutely awesome. And it was so lovely to see so many people outside the Emirates at all different ang- you know parts of the stadium taking pictures and videos. I love the flag one, the invincibles. Highbury, obviously, was my favourite. got 1886. Did you see them, boys, before you went in, or did you not bother looking? Yep, had a look. I think they're fabulous. They've got two more to go up. Um, and Unique, get the likes up, everyone, and subscribe. Thank you so much, and that's true. I think they're fabulous, and I think it's just making it – it was so weird looking at the Highbury part. It just felt like I was standing outside the East stand. It is just beautiful. Um A mate of mine has got a show coming up in 20 minutes' time, The Bearded Gooner, if you want to. It's called The Sunday Gunner. I said I'd give him a little shout-out for that. Um, Fantastic show. Thank you, James, so much, and Chris, and James. There's too many James on this show. Um, Well, don't ask me to come on, then. Too many James, (laughs) I'm going to have to call you something else. I'm going to call you annoying. (laughs) Um, Thank you to everyone in the chat room. Right, just to let you know what's happening next week, so next week is part two of my Thursday chats. With We have uh, Rebecca Lowe from NBC Soccer coming on. This is going to be so interesting. I cannot wait for that. Um, however, um, Man City, we play Wednesday night. So our post-game show is going to be next Sunday. Um, I might do an extra half an hour before Rebecca comes on so we can talk about what happens at City. So we'll see if anyone's going to join us. I might do two-hour pod that night. I don't know. It all depends. But, however, we've got Aston Villa next Saturday. So I think the only thing now left to say is we need to say our predictions. So, Cookie, what are you going for?
1: I thought we weren't doing predictions for this one.
0: You can do predictions. I'm not doing do it, but prediction. you can do it.
1: Okay. Arsenal 4-1. On
0: Wednesday. On Wednesday, yeah. Let's have it. Why not? Right, whatever. Paul J, uh,
2: two-one Arsenal win. Said it earlier. Sticking with it.
0: Right, I'm not allowed to call him suburban. Chris, my friend. Chris, go on.
3: Uh, really, really tough two-two.
0: Oh, you think that it's going to be a draw? Okay, cool. Um, there we go. So, everyone, thank you so much for joining us please press like and subscribe on the way out. If you're going to be at the Emirates on Wednesday, don't worry about the drum that drives us all mad. Get up and sing. We have to be the 12th man. We have to. And someone in the comments went, I wish Amanda could do a speech to the boys beforehand. Trust me, I wish I could too. But you know what? They know it's important. We could possibly go six points clear. Think about that and a game in hand. And... If we do lose, if we do, we're having a fantastic season. Let's just enjoy it. Okay. Thank you to everyone. Good night, Gooners. Always Arsenal. Always Arsenal. Good night. Sports Social Podcast Network.